Chapter Three: The Death of Eve, Part One of the Legends of the Jews, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Brian Ness. The Legends of the Jews, Volume One by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. The Ten Generations: The Birth of Cain. There were ten generations, from Adam to Noah, to show how long-suffering is the Lord, for all the generations provoked him unto wrath, until he brought the deluge upon them. By reason of their impiousness, God changed his plan of calling one thousand generations into being, between the creation of the world and the revelation of the law at Mount Sinai, nine hundred and seventy-four he suppressed before the flood. Wickedness came into the world with the first being born of woman, Cain, the oldest son of Adam. When God bestowed paradise upon the first pair of mankind, He warned them particularly against carnal intercourse with each other. But after the fall of Eve, Satan, in the guise of the serpent, approached her, and the fruit of their union was Cain, the ancestor of all the impious generations that were rebellious toward God, and rose up against him. Cain's descent from Satan, who is the angel Samael, was revealed in his seraphic appearance. At his birth, the exclamation was wrung from Eve, "I have gotten a man through an angel of the Lord." Adam was not in the company of Eve during the time of her pregnancy with Cain. After she had succumbed a second time to the temptations of Satan and permitted herself to be interrupted in her penance. She left her husband and journeyed westward because she feared her presence might continue to bring him misery. Adam remained in the east when the days of Eve to be delivered were fulfilled, and she began to feel the pangs of travailing. She prayed to God for help, but he hearkened not unto her supplications. Who will carry the report to my lord Adam? She asked herself. Ye luminaries in the sky, I beg you, tell it to my master Adam when you return to the east. In that self-same hour, Adam cried out, "The lamentation of Eve has pierced to my ear. Mayhap the serpent has again assaulted her." And he hastened to his wife. Finding her in grievous pain, he besought God in her behalf, and twelve angels appeared together with two heavenly powers. All these took up their posts to right of her and to left of her, while Michael, also standing on her right side. Passed his hand over her from her face downward to her breast, and said to her, "Be thou blessed, Eve, for the sake of Adam, because of his solicitations and his prayers, I was sent to grant thee our assistance. Make ready to give birth to thy child." Immediately her son was born, a radiant figure. A little while, and the babe stood upon his feet, ran off, and returned holding in his hands a stalk of straw, which he gave to his mother. For this reason, he was named Cain, the Hebrew word for stock of straw. Now Adam took Eve and the boy to his home in the east. God sent him various kinds of seeds by the hand of the angel Michael, and he was taught how to cultivate the ground and make it yield produce and fruits to sustain himself and his family and his posterity. After a while, Eve bore her second son, whom she named Hebel. Because she said he was born but to die. Fratricide. 
The slaying of Abel by Cain did not come as a wholly unexpected event to his parents. In a dream Eve had seen the blood of Abel flow into the mouth of Cain, who drank it with avidity, though his brother entreated him not to take all. When she told her dream to Adam, he said, lamenting, Oh, that this may not portend the death of Abel at the hand of Cain! He separated the two lads, assigning to each an abode of his own, and to each he taught a different occupation. Cain became a tiller of the ground, and Abel a keeper of sheep. It was all in vain. In spite of these precautions, Cain slew his brother. His hostility toward Abel had more than one reason. It began when God had respect unto the offering of Abel, and accepted it by sending heavenly fire down to consume it, while the offering of Cain was rejected. They brought their sacrifices on the fourteenth day of Nisan, at the instance of their father, who had spoken thus to his sons, This is the day on which, in times to come, Israel will offer sacrifices. Therefore do ye, too, bring sacrifices to your Creator on this day, that he may take pleasure in you. The place of offering which they chose was the spot whereon the altar of the temple at Jerusalem stood later. Abel selected the best of his flocks for his sacrifice, but Cain ate his meal first, and after he had satisfied his appetite, he offered unto God what was left over, a few grains of flaxseed. As though his offense had not been great enough in offering unto God fruit of the ground which had been cursed by God, what wonder that his sacrifice was not received with favor! Besides, a chastisement was inflicted upon him. His face turned black as smoke. Nevertheless, his disposition underwent no change, even when God spoke to him thus, If thou wilt amend thy ways, thy guilt will be forgiven thee. If not, thou wilt be delivered into the power of the evil inclination." It coucheth at the door of thy heart, yet it depends upon thee whether thou shalt be master over it, or it shall be master over thee. Cain thought he had been wronged, and a dispute followed between him and Abel. I believed, he said, that the world was created through goodness, but I see that good deeds bear no fruit. God rules the world with arbitrary power, else why had he respect unto thy offering, and not unto mine also? Abel opposed him. He maintained that God rewards good deeds, without having respect unto persons. If his sacrifice had been accepted graciously by God, and Cain's not, it was because his deeds were good and his brother's wicked. But this was not the only cause of Cain's hatred toward Abel. Partly love for a woman brought about the crime. To ensure the propagation of the human race, a girl destined to be his wife was born together with each of the sons of Adam. Abel's twin sister was of exquisite beauty, and Cain desired her. Therefore he was constantly brooding over ways and means of ridding himself of his brother. The opportunity presented itself ere long. One day a sheep belonging to Abel tramped over a field that had been planted by Cain. In a rage the latter called out, What right hast thou to live upon my land, and let thy sheep pasture yonder? Abel retorted, what right hast thou to use the products of my sheep to make garments for thyself from their wool? If thou wilt take off the wool of my sheep wherein thou art arrayed, and wilt pay me for the flesh of the flocks which thou hast eaten, then I will quit thy land as thou desirest, and fly into the air if I can do it. 
Cain thereupon said, And if I were to kill thee, who is there to demand thy blood of me? Abel replied, God who brought us into the world will avenge me. He will require my blood at thine hand, if thou shouldst slay me. God is the judge, who will visit their wicked deeds upon the wicked, and their evil deeds upon the evil. Shouldst thou slay me, God will know thy secret, and he will deal out punishment unto thee. These words but added to the anger of Cain, and he threw himself upon his brother. Abel was stronger than he, and he would have got the worst of it, but at the last moment he begged for mercy, and the gentle Abel released his hold upon him. Scarcely did he feel himself free when he turned against Abel once more and slew him. So true is the saying, Do the evil no good, lest evil fall upon thee. THE PUNISHMENT OF CAIN The manner of Abel's death was the most cruel conceivable. Not knowing what injury was fatal, Cain pelted all parts of his body with stones, until one struck him on the neck and inflicted death. After committing the murder, Cain resolved to flee, saying, My parents will demand account of me concerning Abel, for there is no other human being on earth. This thought had but passed through his mind when God appeared unto him, and addressed him in these words, Before thy parents thou canst flee, but canst thou go out from my presence too? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Alas for Abel that he showed thee mercy! and refrained from killing thee when he had thee in his power. Alas, that he granted thee the opportunity of slaying him. Questioned by God, Where is Abel thy brother? Cain answered, Am I my brother's keeper? Thou art he who holdest watch over all creatures, and yet thou demandest account of me? True, I slew him, but thou didst create the evil inclination in me. Thou guardest all things. Why then didst thou permit me to slay him? Thou didst thyself slay him, for hadst thou looked with a favorable countenance toward my offering as toward his, I had had no reason for envying him, and had not slain him. But God said, The voice of thy brother's blood issuing from his many wounds crieth out against thee, and likewise the blood of all the pious who might have sprung from the loins of Abel. Also the soul of Abel denounced the murderer, for she could find rest nowhere. She could neither soar heavenward, nor abide in the grave with her body, for no human soul had done either before. But Cain still refused to confess his guilt. He insisted that he had never seen a man killed, and how was he to suppose that the stones which he threw at Abel would take his life? Then, on account of Cain, God cursed the ground, that it might not yield fruit unto him. With a single punishment both Cain and the earth were chastised, the earth because it retained the corpse of Abel, and did not cast it above ground. In the obduracy of his heart Cain spoke, O Lord of the world, are there informers who denounce men before thee? My parents are the only living human beings, and they know not of my deed. Thou abidest in the heavens, and how shouldest thou know what things happen on earth? God said in reply, Thou fool! I carry the whole world, I have made it, and I will bear it, a reply that gave Cain the opportunity of feigning repentance. Thou bearest the whole world, he said, and my sin thou canst not bear? Verily mine iniquity is too great to be borne. 
Yet yesterday thou didst banish my father from thy presence, to-day thou dost banish me. In sooth it will be said, it is thy way to banish. Although this was but dissimulation, and not true repentance, God granted Cain pardon, and removed the half of his chastisement from him. Originally the decree had condemned him to be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Now he was no longer to roam about for ever, but a fugitive he was to remain, and so much was hard enough to have to suffer, for the earth quaked under Cain, and all the animals, the wild and the tame, among them the accursed serpent, gathered together and essayed to devour him in order to avenge the innocent blood of Abel. Finally Cain could bear it no longer, and breaking out in tears he cried, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? To protect him from the onslaught of the beasts, God inscribed one letter of his holy name upon his forehead, and furthermore he addressed the animals. Cain's punishment shall not be like unto the punishment of future murderers. He has shed blood, but there was none to give him instruction. Henceforth, however, he who slays another shall himself be slain. Then God gave him the dog as a protection against the wild beasts, and to mark him as a sinner, he afflicted him with leprosy. Cain's repentance, insincere though it was, bore a good result. When Adam met him, and inquired what doom had been decreed against him, Cain told him his repentance had propitiated God, and Adam exclaimed, So potent is repentance, and I knew it not. Thereupon he composed a hymn of praise to God, beginning with the words, It is a good thing to confess thy sins unto the Lord. The crime committed by Cain had baneful consequences, not for himself alone, but for the whole of nature also. Before the fruits which the earth bore unto him, when he tilled the ground, had tasted like the fruits of paradise. Now his labor produced naught but thorns and thistles. The ground changed and deteriorated at the very moment of Abel's violent end. The trees and the plants in the part of the earth whereon the victim lived refused to yield their fruits on account of their grief over him, and only at the birth of Seth those that grew in the portion belonging to Abel began to flourish and bear again. But never did they resume their former powers. While before the vine had borne nine hundred and twenty-six different varieties of fruit, it now brought forth but one kind, and so it was with all other species. They will regain their pristine powers only in the world to come. Nature was modified also by the burial of the corpse of Abel. For a long time it lay there exposed above ground, because Adam and Eve knew not what to do with it. They sat beside it and wept, while the faithful dog of Abel kept guard that birds and beasts did it no harm. On a sudden the mourning parents observed how a raven scratched the earth away in one spot, and then hid a dead bird of his own kind in the ground. Adam, following the example of the raven, buried the body of Abel, and the raven was rewarded by God. His young are born with white feathers, wherefore the old birds desert them, not recognizing them as their offspring. They take them for serpents. God feeds them until their plumage turns black and the parent birds return to them. As an additional reward, God grants their petition when the ravens pray for rain. THE INHABITANTS OF THE SEVEN EARTHS When Adam was cast out of paradise, he first reached the lowest of the seven earths, the Eres, 
which is dark, without a ray of light, and utterly void. Adam was terrified, particularly by the flames of the ever-turning sword, which is on this earth. After he had done penance, God led him to the second earth, the Adama, where there is light reflected from its own sky and from its phantom-like stars and constellations. Here dwell the phantom-like beings that issued from the union of Adam with the spirits. They are always sad. The emotion of joy is not known to them. They leave their own earth and repair to the one inhabited by men, where they are changed into evil spirits. Then they return to their abode for good, repent of their wicked deeds, and till the ground, which, however, bears neither wheat nor any other of the seven species. In this Adama, Cain, Abel, and Seth were born. After the murder of Abel, Cain was sent back to the Eris, where he was frightened into repentance by its darkness and by the flames of the ever-turning sword. Accepting his penance, God permitted him to ascend to the third earth, the Arca, which receives some light from the sun. The Arca was surrendered to the Cainites forever as their perpetual domain. They till the ground and plant trees, but they have neither wheat nor any other of the seven species. Some of the Cainites are giants, some of them are dwarfs. They have two heads, wherefore they can never arrive at a decision. They are always at loggerheads with themselves. It may happen that they are pious now, only to be inclined to do evil the next moment. In the Ge, the fourth earth, lived the generation of the Tower of Babel and their descendants. God banished them thither, because the fourth earth is not far from Gehenna, and therefore close to the flaming fire. The inhabitants of the Ge are skillful in all arts, and accomplished in all departments of science and knowledge, and their abode overflows with wealth. When an inhabitant of our earth visits them, they give him the most precious thing in their possession, but then they lead him to the Nishia, the fifth earth, where he becomes oblivious of his origin and his home. The Nishia is inhabited by dwarfs without noses. They breathe through two holes instead. They have no memory. Once a thing has happened, they forget it completely, whence their earth is called Nishia, forgetting. The fourth and fifth earths are like the Arca, they have trees, but neither wheat nor any other of the seven species. The sixth earth, the Zia, is inhabited by handsome men who are the owners of abundant wealth and live in palatial residences. But they lack water, as the name of their territory, Zia, drought, indicates. Hence vegetation is sparse with them, and their tree culture meets with indifferent success. They hasten to any water-spring that is discovered, and sometimes they succeed in slipping through it up to our earth, where they satisfy their sharp appetite for the food eaten by the inhabitants of our earth. For the rest, they are men of steadfast faith, more than any other class of humankind. Adam remained in the Adama until after the birth of Seth, then passing the third earth, the Arca, the abiding place of the Cainites, and the next three earths as well, the Ge, the Nishia, and the Zia, God transported him to the Tebel, the seventh earth, the earth inhabited by men. End of chapter 3, part 1